Hey, what's up? Yeah, what is up? It's a podcast time is what is up. Uh, yeah. That didn't work. Oh, it's it works we're, enough. We're, we're going to keep on gonna moving. Keep, we're going to keep on moving. No way we're re-recording anything. I mean, why would we do that? I mean, this is this has been this is now episode ninety nine, which means of, we should have our shit together more than no. This. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. This is episode ninety nine of nonstop professionalism behind the mic, oh, uh, and you know I don't see why we would we would change. We're also a couple of minutes into this thing now and haven't even mentioned the name of the podcast. Side Talks. Really Side Talks podcast. And what do we talk about? Movies. And uh, who are you? Corey Kraft. And I'm Rachel Morgan. And um, oh boy, wait till the 100th episode when things really go off the rails. Off the rails. Stay tuned. But, uh, but right now we got number 99. So let's do this shit. <laughs> hey, Corey. Hey, Rachel. Speaking of shit. Oh, no. What's this shit? Okay, I'm just dropping into a film. Don't All right. know where I am in this thing. You're going to try to guess it. You're going to get this one really quickly, I feel like. Okay, let's let's hear it. I'm looking at that meatball of a face. Actually looks a little bit like, um, you know that olive loaf? I do, yeah. Yeah, it looks a little like olive loaf, Alec Baldwin. Oh, my it's, gosh. It's, you know, not that long ago. It's a big old chunk of olive loaf. And he's walking. It's wintertime. And I think you're going to get it based on this line that he says that is pretty amazing. Uh-huh. Football does not want to talk to you. Football does not want to talk to you. Oh, this is concussion. It's concussion. I knew you were going to get it really quickly. Because um, he's talking to Will Smith. And do you want to go ahead and reveal what's going on with Will Smith in this film? Will Smith is a doctor from Nigeria, I believe. So he speaks the whole movie with a kind of a, a not all that great accent. It's but, a Nigerian accent that is terrible. Yeah, he's he's not it's not very good. It's it is this is terrible. not a very good movie. But so Will Smith um has discovered it's a it's a not very good movie about a serious subject. He's discovered a preponderance of, of CTE um in the brains of former NFL players. So the the movie is about like bringing to light um you know how many former football players are suffering from head injuries that lead to severe complications like CTE down the line, um, and the movie sort of presents like the NFL is a big mon- uh, monopolistic, hence conspiratorial, you know, group that's like you hush up because we football does not want yeah, to talk. Football to you. does not want to talk to you. The 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 line from that movie that sticks out to me is the line that's repeated in the trailer for that movie where where Will Smith is just all clenched up and he's just like he's <laughs> you know he's just so emotional about it and he's just like tell the truth tell the truth <laughs> um and boy is that just a silly moment in that trailer and a silly moment moment in that movie that is Obviously, kind of a pretty silly movie. Well, his shitty accent overshadows Alec Baldwin's shitty accent, which took me a minute to get. But when he says the word "daddy," is he doing a southern to thing? Be a southern act. It's, uh, he t- he's my daddy from Mississippi. He goes on with some southern listing southern states, and I'm just like, if you're going to cast Alec Baldwin as anything, yeah. as anything. He has never once come across as somebody who might have at one time lived for any significant amount of time from the South. Also, I'm sorry, but he just doesn't come across. My, my daddy, daddy. daddy is, is from Mississippi as well, and I don't talk like that. Like, well, neither does Alec Baldwin. Right. I, know, <laughs> I mean, he, he then, starts to in the film, and like he, he doesn't, and then he when he says daddy, it gets like, he's like, I, you know what, I'm just going to talk Southern during that one little two line or so that I, ha- that I have to say Mississippi. Ridiculous. It, you don't have to 
you know, put on a cartoonish Southern accent to, and say that your character's from the South. You can just say that your character's from the South and just right. talk like Alec Baldwin. Right. You know, he doesn't sound. Agreed. Yeah, it's just an absurd. Deed. You know, that's that's like that's Hollywood condescension. Like, well, you know, I've never actually met anybody who lived any su- uh, far farther south than Kentucky. So, you know, I just assume that they all talk like this down there. Uh, so why would I need to do any more research on the, the subject? And it's just it's insulting. Anyway, um, Bad concussion. Film. not you, a good you movie. did get it very, very quickly, as I knew you would. Yeah. For over one million years, Rachel and Corey have talked and now they share with you one of the greatest accomplishments of all time their list of the top 200 films wow that that intro that brings us into this is just amazing thanks to batwell studios for that um, we are on our, we are on one number one twenty one. Am I right? One twenty eight through well, one twenty. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep. One twenty eight through one twenty one. Yep. Um, and so I will go ahead and, and lead off with my one twenty eight. Kick us off. It is uh, the Big Lebowski. Good movie. You might hear more about that later on my list. You know, it probably would be higher up on my list if it just if that thing didn't hit us over the head all the damn time. I mean, it's just so overplayed, so over talked about, but indeed a great film. So yeah. it, it does land on my list, but it, it's not going to land as high as it does on yours. But great film. Uh, my number 128 is a classic film noir from director Billy Wilder. It's Double Indemnity. Nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah Excellent yeah. movie. Well, my 127... Are you sitting down for this? Oh, boy. Nymphomaniac, Volume 1. I don't like that choice. <laughs> I don't like that choice. I don't like that movie. We've we've talked about it already. We we've have thought about, about it, already. it already. We have. Um, great film. Disapprove. Great film. Mm. Not a kind film. Nope. Not a pleasant film. Nope. But a great film. Mm. Okay. Uh, well, my 127 is the first of two Stanley Kubrick movies that are going to place on uh, my my eight films today. Cool. Um, it's Barry Lyndon. Oh, nice. With Ryan O'Neill as the world's biggest asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, glorious film to look at. Oh, it's so good. It's such a and, beautiful um, movie. Boy, oh boy, Kubrick couldn't make that film today without going to jail. <laughs> so my um, my 126 is, and I'm going to probably say this all kinds of wrong. I don't know why I screw this title up every time, but one that is very controversial and which a lot of people do not like, uh-huh. based on a play, I think is in part part of its issue. Even though I I don't take issue with that personally. Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Mm, yeah, the Martin McDonough movie. Yeah, is this um, one? This is one you do not like. Am I right? I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, Would I don't you fight, love that, fight it? it? No. Because because okay. I'm I'm closer to your position than yeah a lot of people. Um, no, I I I actually thought that was a really good movie when it came out and kind of soured on it on subsequent rewatches. I've seen it a few times. I saw it in the theaters yeah. twice. Uh, I really I, I stand by it. I think uh, Frances McDormand in this thing she's great is and she dresses they they've costumed her like a superhero. Yeah, it's like a sort of modern day superhero, and I really the, the level of revenge at which she's – the ending – all I don't know. Great film. So, sorry for sort of half thinking through this right now, but yeah. it's, it's rolling through my thoughts in that way. I, I thought about it after she just won another Oscar for Nomadland. Yeah. It's a movie that I might try to revisit at some point in the mm-hmm. next who knows when. Yeah. she. If it wasn't for her, this film would not be on my list. I'm going to put no. it like that. And, and there are other great performances in this. Sam Rockwell's great. 
Totally. Uh, Woody Harrelson's great. Totally. But yeah. she is the reason yes. why it lands. And I have a, I have like a, I have a little place in my heart for films too that have, that really look at complicated characters. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of characters in this film that Sam Rockwell's character, Woody Harrelson, um, Francis McDormand, I mean, there's, that, that don't feel just flat and one-sided. Right. They're, they, each of them has a little bit of a, a villain edge. Each of them has a little bit of a good, a, a good guy for lack of a better word, their edge. And they, they all feel wholly well-rounded and interesting characters. Yeah. So. Well, my 126 does not have too many well-rounded or interesting characters in it, but that's not a fault of the movie okay. because it's one of the um, most exciting um, horror movies of the 1970s, oh. Dario Argento's Suspiria, nice. which is gorgeous. Gorgeous, great freaking film. Super scary. Yeah. Not where you would go for nuance and then characters. No, but, but where um, you would go for color palette. Where you would go for color and violence. Glorious, glorious yeah. violence. And where do you land on the uh, on the new Suspiria? I don't want to call it a remake. I want to call it a reimagining. I on a... dislike it strongly. Sam, can you make a note of that? I'm a big fan. Okay. Also, Dakota Johnson. Yeah, well, sure. Anyway, sorry. Um, My 125 is one that's also everybody it's going to be all right again <laughs> this might be it's funny that i mentioned this just a couple down from nymphomaniac uh-huh. and that is twilight new moon well it's the best of the twilight movies oh yeah it's definitely the best of the twilight movies and it's really uh. i'm going to argue it's really damn enjoyable mm. and again part of what lands something on this list is the watchability and how frequently I can laugh and revisit something or Oh, there's a lot to laugh at. Cry and revisit. Yes, but it's it is wholly enjoyable. And I think that I think All right. <laughs> I think look, I think people oftentimes with these films and maybe not so much with the first one. Mm-hmm. Okay, because I do think there's an earnestness in the first one. I think sometimes with these subsequent films, which I'm not saying it's okay because again, they took, they take this off, off. They take this out of the hands of a female director. It's all kinds of political issues here. But I think that with these subsequent films, that there are some moments that are intentionally campy in a way that's really fun. When Bill Condon directs the final two, the, the breaking Dawn duo there, there are some moments that very consciously and deliberately dip into like camp. But for me, that was too little too late because the first movie takes itself way seriously. You're right. The third movie takes itself way seriously. I'm not sure about that. I mean, we have what Dakota Fanning throws a, ba- a toddler in a fire. Is that in I mean, the third movie? No, no. I'm saying that that's, I think that's in the last film. Yeah, that's Bill Condon. But I'm know. just saying, it, it, I don't, I, I'm not going to. I think that every subsequent film after the first one has some level at which it's not taking itself very seriously and it's doing what it knows it can do best hmm. and delivering ridiculousness in a very enjoyable way. Uh, you know, again, we can argue that, but I, but I, I stand strong on it. And this particular one does a, does a good damn bit of it and has a lot of enjoyable laughs and, and ridiculousness. And I, I like it. It's on my list. All right. <laughs> okay live and let live uh-huh uh-huh uh, Ju- judge and gu- judge and judge <laughs> don't care uh well 125 on my list um is a wonderful movie from 1999 called the talented mr ripley 
Uh, we got Matthew Damon in the lead role, and I know how you feel about him, so mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. we don't have to get into that. But in supporting roles, you have uh, a wonderful uh, sort of menacing performance from Jude Law. You got Gwyneth Paltrow in there. You got Kate Blanchett. You got Philip Seymour Hoffman. This movie's gorgeous. The score is yeah, amazing. Perfectly competent. Patricia Highsmith uh, adaptation. Um, better than competent, I would say. Oh, well, clearly it's, it's on your list. But, you know, this is another example. I mean, just to go back to Twilight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would argue, too, that, like, these films get categorized as sort of, like, little girl fodder. And yeah. and there is some of that in there. Do not get me wrong. But when you look at those fight scenes in the last two, those are as good as, as half of the action films that people flock to and take very seriously. I'm sorry, but they are. Mm. I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, my 124 is not that far of a of of a skipping stone away from Twilight New Moon, but I love it. And again, watchability uh-huh. something I will be happy to watch every single year. And I think really well done. And that's Happy Death Day. Oh, that, no argument for me there. Happy Death Day rules. Yeah, it's a great yeah, film. It's good. It's just a great film. Yeah. And Anne does the repetition thing that some films like Groundhog's Day do. And certainly that's it's, yeah. it. It's self-aware. It references that film in the film. and But it does it in a way that is really enjoyable and doesn't get tiring. And I, that's difficult. Yeah. No, totally. I wasn't too hot on the sequel. No, I'm not either. Um, but his recent movie, Freaky. Did you Pretty see that? Pretty darn good. Yeah, we yeah. programmed it the Son of yeah. Man. It's, I really enjoyed it. I like it a lot. It is not as good as Happy Death no, Day. No, it, It's not going to make my list, but it is a fun, enjoy. it's a really yeah. fun, enjoyable film. I, I really like Christopher Landon and these movies he's been doing. Yeah. Um, my 124 is also not too far from Twilight New Moon. It's Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, yeah. Same film, basically. Basically the same thing. Basically the same. I imagine that's going to be higher on your list if it hasn't already yeah. popped up. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's already popped up. Okay. Um, one, my, and I could be wrong. I don't know my own list by heart. Um, <laughs> one twenty-three for me, I think might have popped up for you already, perhaps, and if not, it will. I think, uh-huh. and that is the Virgin Suicides. Ooh, is that on my list? That should be on if my list. Not, if it's should not, it should be. Because I love a that movie. Magical fever dream pastel fever dream of a film yeah it was on my list it was at 180 so it's already mentioned there you go yeah great film great we agree yeah totally 123 for me another film by my buddy terry malick oh boy days of heaven one of the most beautiful movies ever made gorgeous film gorgeous film not gonna argue it Mm, doesn't come up for me as something I want to watch frequently, but it is a beautiful, gorgeous film. If you ever have a chance to see it in a a cinema, please do. Yes. Um, My 122 is a film in which talk about every frame of painting, so much easy to teach symbolism, nice motifs, nice clean film, and one of the best endings ever, and that is The Graduate. (laughs) Hell yeah. Um, That will pop up a little later on my list. Yes, it will. I would not be surprised. And and let's face it, most people have this film in their top 50. It, uh, it's not in my top 50. It, I understand and, and would never argue with anybody about it falling in their top 50, but my top 50 just feels very specific to yeah. my own rules and regulations to how you make this list. I hear you. Not in my top 50 either, spoiler yeah. alert, yeah, yeah, but yeah. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. 122 for me is a classic science fiction film from the 1950s, a little underseen, uh, The Incredible Shrinking Man, which oh, has one cool. of my favorite endings of all time, based on a Richard Matheson 
novel. I love this movie. Love it so much. Cool. Well, I'm going to land it here. Speaking of great endings, 121 with a very recent film and a Sidewalk alum, Kelly Reichert's First Cow. Hell yeah. Which is one of the kindest, sweetest, most feminine films with an, all, with an almost all-male cast. Yeah. But so, so incredibly gentle and kind and female. And I fucking love this film. And while she did not make this film with a pandemic in mind, it did – it actually got – I think it played once and then New York went into lockdown like the next day. Yeah. And so, but this film felt so purely relevant to so much that was going on when I first saw it. And that was in the midst of the pandemic. And so I, it has a special place for me, but it's a great film regardless of all that. Yep. Really love it. Really, really great movie. Yeah. Uh, my 121, I promised it in the last episode. So here it is. It's Peter Weir's The Truman Show. With Jim Carrey and Ed Harris, a movie I absolutely adore. Don't like it. Mm. Why am anyway. I not? You know why am I not surprised by that? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Right. Well, we're counting them down. Next time. What? And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders the third to the studio for his segment, Film History Minute with Charlie Brown. At the beginning of the film Twelve Angry Men, the cameras are all positioned above eye level and mounted with wide-angle lenses to give the appearance of greater distance between the subjects. As the film progresses, the cameras slip down to eye level. By the end of the film, nearly all of it is shot below eye level, in close-up and with telephoto lenses to increase the encroaching sense of claustrophobia. The entire movie, excluding the exterior shots, takes place in three rooms. Once the jurors are sequestered, the film proceeds in real time. About halfway through, they establish that it's six o'clock, they reached their verdict in another 45 minutes. Director Sidney Lumet had the actors all stay in the same room for several hours on end and do their lines over and over without filming. This was to give them a real taste of what it would be like to be cooped up in a room with the same people. Because the painstaking rehearsals for the film lasted an exhausting two weeks, filming had to be completed in an unprecedented 21 days. Many of the shots of the actors were filmed on their own and then edited together. This required the sound of the rain to be recorded separately for each actor. In total, it was shot in 365 separate takes. Because of the demands of the film's low budget, if the lighting was set up for a shot that took place from one particular angle, all the shots from that same angle had to be filmed then and there. This meant that different sides of the same conversation were sometimes shot several weeks apart. Most of the hard-working, relatively inexperienced crew were longshoremen. Because there wasn't enough movie work to feed them all year, they'd have two union cards, their local 52s and their ILA cards. Henry Fonda was asked by United Artists to make this film, so he did it as both actor and producer. He was, however, very frustrated at being a producer and decided never to do it again. According to his autobiography, Fonda was disappointed with United Artists' distribution strategy, and he felt that the studio's approach had deprived the film of a chance at financial success. In particular, Fonda noted that United Artists placed it in theaters too large for a small film to fill, and in addition, did not re-release it after it had won numerous awards. Because the film failed to make a profit, Henry Fonda never received his deferred salary. Despite this setback, he always regarded the film as one of the three best he ever made the other two being The Grapes of Wrath and The Oxbow Incident.
Henry Fonda disliked watching himself on film, so he did not watch the whole film in the screening room. However, before he walked out, he said quietly to director, Sidney, it's magnificent. The State Bar Association, of all at the time 48 states, were given preview showings of the picture prior to its press previews. Subsequent to the film's release, the American Bar Association honored the film for contributing to greater public understanding and appreciation of American system of justice. Both the film and its source material are often used in teaching mid to upper levels of English in overseas schools and courses, and excerpts from the play are included in some textbooks. Language courses often require exercises in which the students can practice explaining, comparing, and discussing a variety of qualities on any subject, and this film presents them amply. A multitude of varying characters, polite, thoughtful, biased, varying approaches, stubborn, open-minded, uninterested, methodical, and varying personalities, weak, meek, aggressive, and annoying. All kinds of reactions, facial expressions, etc. It is also often used in business schools and workshops to illustrate team dynamics and conflict resolution techniques. In June 2000, 12 Angry Men was ranked number two on the American Film Institute's list of the top 10 greatest films in the genre courtroom drama. Nominated for three Oscars, the film lost out in all categories to The Bridge on the River Kwai. The cast includes three Oscar winners, Henry Fonda, Martin Balsam, and Ed Begley, and two Oscar nominees, Jack Warden and Lee J. Cobb. It is the feature directorial debut of Sidney Lumet and has a 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Side Talks. Hold on, let me get my foam finger. Because this is your own personal cinematic Miley Cyrus and Robin Thicke. What? Oh. Okay. Put it together. <laughs> Put yeah. it together. Yeah, I got you. You got it? You got yeah. it? You there? Yeah. Thanks to Beltwell Studios. We appreciate their support and hosting us and making us sound better. We are on social media at Sidewalk Film on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also visit SidewalkFest.com for the latest in what's playing at the cinema and what's going on with the upcoming Sidewalk Film Festival. And a little shout out to Splash 96 for our amazing music. Yeah, it's great. Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.